0: Hola, I'm Adela Yelton, and thank you for joining us at Latina South. Latina South welcomes friendly conversations with Latinas and friends who live, work, and play throughout the South and Southeast. Let's hear about what Latinas are creating and how they're making good things happen for their families, businesses, and communities. We'll enjoy some savory bits of wisdom while we share about what it takes to thrive in life while holding on to the best of what makes us Latinas in the South. Welcome.
1: I might not be rich, I might not have all the degrees, but I know as a woman and a Latina, I know I'm leaving a thumbprint somewhere.
0: Today, we welcome the Honorable Mimi Woodson. Mimi leaves more than a thumbprint in local politics as the longest serving Latino elected official in the state of Georgia. Let's listen as Mimi talks about her strong sense of faith, her 15 years in the military, her time as the Candy Lady, and how these all led to her position on the Columbus City Council. Hola Mimi, how are you? Hola, muy bien, y tú, mi amor? Oh, bien, gracias. By the way, that's about it for my Spanish, because <laughs> that, that's great. How's your Spanish? It's pretty
1: good. Um, I've lost quite a bit, pero lo hablo bastante. Normalmente sí, lo hablo muy bien. I was raised here, I was born right. in Puerto Rico but I've been here all my life. So um, my cousins is funny because they say I am a uh, Southern Puerto Rican.
0: (laughs) That's their term. And how do you feel about that, being a Southern Puerto Rican?
1: Oh, it doesn't bother me because um, I like the South and I'm very proud of being a Latina, you know, being Puerto Rican. So it doesn't bother me. I think it's funny because when they tease me um, in the pronunciation of some words, or an accent comes out, yeah. I get the tease back
0: by saying about their English and their accent. <laughs> so it's okay. It's not. So a problem. lot of fun teasing about accents. Good to hear you say that uh, you love the South and you love being Latina. Because guess what? This show is called Latina South. <laughs> so you're like the perfect guest. First of all, I want to welcome you. And I appreciate you being here and joining us on Latina South, because your full name is Evelyn Mimi Woodson, and I always see the Mimi in quotation marks. And so is it okay to call you Mimi? How would you like for me to call you? Well, how- Yes, I, I, I prefer to be called Mimi. And tell me where that it came from, Mimi. It feels more
1: comfortable. It, it yeah. just feels
0: more comfortable
1: to me. Um, I just feel that sometimes when we're too formal, people really don't express what they feel. or they're not open for a discussion. So I prefer Mimi because it tends to make people relax.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for letting me call you Mimi. And I think that's a good way to open the conversation. And uh, I did a little bit of research on you, Mimi, although we've known each other for a few years. You live in the city of Columbus. Georgia, how did you find yourself in Columbus?
1: I was in the military going to other places, but I would always end up back in Columbus some way or another. So finally, I decided that maybe there was a reason for me to be here. Once I left the military, I decided to make Columbus my home.
0: So maybe you told us a little bit about your Latina background and being Puerto Rican. And you're also living in Columbus, which is in the south. Uh, What do you like about living in the south?
1: I like the warmth, um, the
0: hospitality.
1: I I love the, the sense that why there's challenges, you feel that warmth of family. It's a good place to raise your children. Right. And I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen a lot of communities,
0: but Columbus stole my heart. Isn't it that the Chattahoochee River goes yes. through Columbus? Tell me more it's about in that. backyard. <laughs> oh, it's
1: wonderful. We have developed over 16 miles, close to 20 miles above Riverwalk. Um, is passive. Mm -hmm. We have Whitewater now, so we're being recognized for Whitewater. We have Mm -hmm. the Infantry Museum. We have Westfield that used to be in Lumpkin and it's here now. We have the Coca-Cola Um, center. You know, we have a lot of great things um, Mm -hmm. that are going on. Our uptown is really wonderful. It's growing. Our partnership with Phoenix City, having events across the bridge. Sometimes we close the bridge and Columbus and Phoenix City come together. And I mean, it's a wonderful place to live. I mean, I don't want to go anywhere.
0: There's a military base there, right?
1: Yes, we have the second largest military base. We have Fort Benning. It's in well, it used to be infantry, now it's infantry and armor. Fort Benning is like a partner of ours, yeah. like a sister city that
0: most people will call. Can you share with us a little bit about your time in the military? What, what, yes. what were some challenges?
1: <laughs> it was scary at first. Oh yeah. Um, when I went into the military, you're gonna laugh too. Um, I only joined the military running away from home
0: Interesting.
1: Um, because, you know, as being Latina, in yeah. a Latina family, it didn't matter that I was raised in the, the United States. In our home, you were Latina. <laughs> it, right. it didn't matter. So the house rules were still restricted. It more. didn't matter you were 18. <laughs> yeah. Traditions were traditions. Yes. Um, my dad had this perception that um, a woman should be barefooted and pregnant, mm.
0: you know,
1: stay at mm-hmm.
0: home. I'm not going to be home and pregnant.
1: <laughs> right. You weren't going to have no. any of
0: that, you know. Yeah. And by I, the way, back then, it was very common. So, and, so you weren't going to have any part of that.
1: <laughs> nope, I wasn't. So I actually ran away from home. And my dad caught me and, oh, it was so ugly. He grabbed me by my ponytail. And then he said to me that I was no longer his daughter. Mm -hmm. I I was a disgrace to Latina women um, because now I was going into a man's world. And it was Mm -hmm. very hard, but Mm -hmm. I don't regret it um, because everything I didn't learn at home, I learned in the military. Military, to me, basic training was so easy because my dad already yelled, I already had the rules, you know, I already had restrictions. So
0: right. the
1: military, the basic training and AIT didn't affect me at all. You know, drill sergeant in my face screaming. It was like looking at papi yelling at me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't that
0: like, Yeah, been there, done that. I can do that. What's next?
1: But I think the toughest was as a Latina, you know. Right and raised very tradition, it was very hard because, you know, our parents back in our time, they were close-minded. So mm-hmm. it, it was very hard for me um, when I went in. And the thing that happened when I did active, the first place they sent me was to Germany,
0: miles away from home.
1: <laughs> I'm already, you know, culture shocked.
0: You know, and I lived in um, Wisconsin at the time. How did you get the support structure that you needed or did you need it?
1: I really didn't get a lot of support structure from home Mm -hmm. because they were not uh, happy that I made that decision. I got it from fellow women that were in the military um, there was a young lady, I'll never forget her name. She, um, noticed my shyness, you know, my quietness, my, she could see. So right. she kind of embraced me and became like my mom just about, you know, because yeah. she was older than me too. And the comfort of her and the stubbornness in me, you know, I was going to prove my parents, they were wrong. You know, they were wrong about me. I think that's what helped me. But there were some difficult times. I'm not going to paint it pretty. There are some Mm -hmm. ugly things. I can
0: imagine, yeah.
1: But there's a lot of positive things. Um, What I tell a Latino young lady today, yeah, go in the military at least two years. Because it teaches you. Um, It teaches you diversity. And Mm -hmm. it teaches you the strength that you have, that you're not aware of.
0: Uh, and and how did, did you depart the military?
1: At the time I was married, and I had to make a decision between family and career. Yeah. And so that a was, lot of people
0: and, do a lot of people do have to make that decision.
1: Yeah. And that was very hard. Because I really loved the military, because I feel the military made me Besides life experiences, the military may be who
0: I am today. Well, I know personally, I don't have any experience with the military. And the one thing I know I would struggle with is uh, getting up so early in the morning <laughs> and exercising. Those two things, having to run the mile or, or whatever it is that you guys have to do on a regular basis. I know I would wimp out. So I admire you for... 15 years. And, and I know you probably developed because I see you with these awesome leadership skills. And, and I know after that phase, you're, you've gone on to do some other things. So after the military, what, what came next? I opened a candy store. It's called Kids and Things. Kids and and
1: things. Um, I, I did it at a promise that I made to God because my husband was deployed to Desert Storm. I promised God that if he will bring my husband back and bring my family together, I would do something for children. It was called Kids and
0: Things. We sold candy at a penny. So the kids, they came and bought candy, but it was so much more than that. It was a sense of community. And, Mm -hmm. and did you, were you personally in the store? Like, would you talk to the kids? Oh yeah,
1: I was yeah. in the store when my husband would come home from work. Um, he was in there too. We would talk to the kids. We would teach them how to talk to their parents. We would teach them how to deal with conflicts at school. Yeah, um, we would help them with their homework. We realized that there was the kids needed somewhere to go. And it's not always a basketball court or a baseball field or something like that. It's somewhere where they can just sit down, eat an ice cream, eat a candy, play a video game, and just talk, you know, and listen to music. Without um,
0: all the pressures of, yes. of kids, there's a lot of pressures on kids, uh-huh. teens, everybody. Yeah. yeah.
1: Kids <laughs> themselves policed it and kept uh-huh. it safe and protected it for years. Um, when I closed it, they were very upset. I closed oh, it. How
0: many years did you have
1: that? Um, the candy store? I had it about four years. The wonderful thing about it, Adela, even today, even today, in 2020, I have people I bump into that say, oh, that's the candy lady. Look, <laughs> Your mom, I always used to go to that
0: lady's candy store. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so amazing to hear people and you you made an impact direct impact i even had um two gang
1: members one joined the marine the other joined the army mm-hmm. and they had three and the other one um the navy and all of them and their parents and their families now they when they see me they just say thank you thank you for saving my life the candy store was the beginning of my public
0: service life the experience of community service and serving your community you were doing it whether you called it that or not that's what it turned out to be with your position of city council person for the city of columbus tell us more about how that came about for you
1: that's a crazy story District seven came available Mm -hmm. and the people in the community didn't want your average politician. Um, they wanted someone grassroots. I was uh, approached by one of my neighbors and when they did, I said, Nope, Not me. I'm not a politician. (laughs) No way. I, I don't want that. After several months of them and my neighbors um, talking to me, I went to the University of Georgia for a community leadership program Mm -hmm. um, that they asked me to go to. And there I kind of say, well, it's almost like being in the army, you know, a platoon sergeant, which I was. One of my neighbors invited me to a church Mm-hmm. and I went to the church, and when I went to the church, the preacher was preaching about how God uses people in different ways. Was my, this
0: your first time ever in that church? Yes. Wow. It was
1: my first time, but there was something spiritually it was drawing me, holding me there, and I told him in his ear that um, they wanted me to run for office, but that I didn't think I qualified because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. I was Latina and I only lived in the city two years, you know,
0: Um,
1: I have some college, but I never graduated. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not worthy of it, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't qualify. And he just basically told me that I needed to go home. I needed to take a hot shower. I needed to pray about and go to sleep that God will answer my prayers. And that I need to realize that if you have faith and you believe in God and he picks you to do something, he's going to make a way for you. You're going to have trials and tribulations, but Mm -hmm. as long as you keep the faith, your blessings will come at the end. So when I left the church, I said to myself, what the heck? What can I do? (laughs) I'll just do it so I'm obedient to God and he won't get mad at me. When, after the announcement went out that I was considering it, I had five men come visit me. Mm -hmm. Um, Two were African-American and two were Caucasian and one was Latino. Um, The Latino man, the African-American and Caucasian was very supportive. They said we needed diversity. We needed a change by me being a woman and being Latina would be a great change, you know, for the council. Mm -hmm. So they were very supportive, and they said they would help me in my campaign and everything. Unfortunately, the Latino was the opposite. Um, He said to me, I shouldn't do it. I'm a female. I'm a nobody. I've only been here two years. He said this
0: to you. Yes. That's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. He said I would be a disgrace to our community, you know, because I wasn't going
0: to make it to first base. Oh, wow. Who is this person? By the way, you probably don't want to say his name, but whoever this person is. Yeah. He's resting in peace now. (laughs) Oh, okay. Rest in peace. But still, uh, that's tough to hear. And so common, isn't it? Like when we aspire to do big things, the voices in our head already are coming up with all the reasons why we can't. And so when we seek advice and support from other people, it doesn't help us to hear. The twenty more reasons why we we should not, you know, and that's not a, a good way to encourage someone. But but then what happened? Then what happened after that?
1: But actually, he encouraged me more. <laughs> Isn't that, is it, it had like the
0: reverse effect, yeah. didn't it?
1: Well, what I, I tried to do was to prove to him that um, everybody has a right to do what they think they're destined to do. Right. Um, I didn't know that I was gonna, matter of fact, I didn't think I was gonna win. I really didn't, Um, but during the campaign portion of it, I told my comadre that was working, walking with me, I told her, you know, we're not gonna win, but I kind of like helping people, so maybe we need to really learn more Mm -hmm. about this job, and maybe in four years from now,
0: I'll try again. However, like that when you're, I'm so interested in your story, maybe because when you think about politics today versus the way you did it, you know, yours was truly a grassroots effort, and I mean, you didn't go out with all this, you know, political surveys. Oh, what are the stats? What are the demographics? Let me strategically, you know, plan out and do these phone banks and all this stuff. Like you, you were genuinely approaching it from your heart. In the spirit of helping people
1: yes um we just knocked door to door to door yeah um and we just went into the debates um when i ran there was two other gentlemen one was african-american and the other one was caucasian the african-american was like me he just moved he moved to columbus He, he was raised in columbus the caucasian gentleman he was born and raised here uh this is a black and white community and here comes a latina you know but hey i promise god my faith in him i'm gonna do this the good news about it is that Um, At the end of all of it, with less than $3,000 raised, I beat both of them, 57% of the vote. That was back in 94, and I took office in 95, and um, I've served, this is my seventh term now. Wow. Uh, I've always had opposition. So when people tell me, oh, somebody's going to run against, I'm like, okay, next. Every time I want to give up god always takes me to that same church um the church was a church after that it was a funeral home and then it was a church again and then it's converted several times but he always takes me to that building to that land whatever you want to call it
0: right that same location that Mm -hmm. same
1: location every time i said okay i'm not doing this again i I'm, I'm not doing this anymore, you know he always takes me there, and usually it's always when it's just me and another person it's been sixty forty um yeah. this last one, I had two people running against me, and I beat both of them again by fifty seven percent of the vote. Wow, so I mean it takes more money now than when I first did it what i
0: what I do hear when I hear you talk about your story is that faith is very strong in your life and it drives a lot of your decisions Uh, and you know I know you told the story and about how you got into politics but I know it hasn't always been easy and maybe you can share with us situations where being a Latina was a challenge
1: well my car got stolen, and all my paperwork was thrown all over the place while I was campaigning. That was a not very good experience, and um, I always say it had to do with you know a little scare tactic, you know. But
0: we never tactic.
1: Yes. Mm. Another thing was that um, in some of the forms and some of the places I would go, people would say, "Oh, that's that lady that has a green card." and thinks Mm. she's gonna be a city council member. You know, I would Mm -hmm. get a lot of racial things like that. Um, But I would turn around. And when I turned around, I just said to her, I'm sorry you feel that way, but did you study history? Because if you study history, you will know that Puerto Rico is Commonwealth to the United States. I do not need a green card. I am an American citizen. You gave me an opportunity to tell you how proud I am to be Puerto Rican and an American. And then I turned
0: around and walked away. It's always surprising to me. Like, why don't people know that, you know, Puerto Rico is U.S. Commonwealth. People that are born in Puerto Rico are U.S. citizens. But... You'll
1: be surprised. Even in today's stage, a couple of years ago, I was meeting with someone for um, sponsorship to a Latino festival a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And when I went into the office, the first thing the person said to me was, oh, Mimi, I like tortillas and enchiladas and tacos. And I looked at her like, <laughs> okay. And even in today's society, you have a lot of people that really don't know, don't know the difference.
0: Yeah. and. Uh, it's a lack of awareness, or or just even having experiences with different kind of people, and uh, just knowing that Latinos we come in all different shades and shapes and sizes from all over, and we're very diverse people. And yeah. so, just creating that awareness. So you took what you could have easily been offended. That could have easily gone a different direction. Okay, but no, I, I had that, to pray. <laughs> you had to pray. So you use your faith. And it could have easily gone another way, but mm-hmm. you turned it to a positive, an opportunity to educate mm-hmm. and uh, left a positive impression, we hope. Yeah. Person, And so listen, that's a skill. I didn't know it at the what, time. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, my background is Mexican and I do like enchiladas <laughs> and rice and beans. And yeah, that's a stereotype, but, yeah. but uh, hey, you know, when my, Kids, they say, "Mom, you know." I said, "What are we having for dinner?" I'll say tacos, but we had tacos for lunch. I said, "Look, growing up, I had tacos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner." Okay, so
1: that
0: a staple yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In, our, in our household yeah. uh, growing up. But anyway, you know, it's all it's all relative, and, and it changes yes. with the generations. So, going into uh, your service with City Council, and and not a lot of people like you, by the way. Mm-hmm. here in the state of Georgia, or even within the Southeast, okay? So mm-hmm. tell me about your unique experience. What do you think? Is there is something you wanna share with us about just being a Latina in the room, the city council room?
1: Sometimes it could be very challenging, um, very intimidating. We're, we're 10 council members, um, and I'm the only Latina. Sometimes it could be rough. There are times where you want to stand up for the Latino community, but if your community is majority Caucasian, African American, Mm -hmm. and your Latino community is not very, um, very involved, it makes it difficult. You know, it
0: makes it difficult to do things for your community. The, The interesting or the unique position sometimes that you might find yourself in that I can kind of identify with sometimes is that you know, the, the community that you identify with may not be the community that you are representing.
1: That is and correct. And so
0: sometimes that conflicts. Sometimes it aligns, sometimes it conflicts. And so I know you were going to tell me a story about that. Yeah, and, you, and you're
1: absolutely correct because the people expect you to represent them, and sometimes they don't realize when you're representing a community. You have to be diverse. You know, you have everybody in, involved in it. And in the beginning, when I would bring up issues about Latinos, it was very hard because mm-hmm. even some of my colleagues would feel like they don't vote, they don't speak up, they don't get involved. Why mm-hmm. should we care? You know, and this is in the early stages of my career when people were looking at things in a different way. So it made it very hard um, being a woman and being in council because the Latinos, some would like you because you're representing them, but some didn't like you because they felt you didn't do enough for them. Right. Um, some of the African-American community and some of the Latino community, they didn't want you to be pro-Latina you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or the Caucasians, either one, you know, they were like, well, you just don't represent them, mm-hmm. even if you just bring up one topic. So right. you had to build a technique or a, re, a way of doing things where it was inclusive in right. order to even help our own community. Right. It's not like in Atlanta, you can go to Atlanta, there's so many Latinos, you know, you can do this, you know, it's not like that.
0: There's volume, you know? volume of voters uh, yes. in, in politics that can help support you do when you want to do things. Uh, but when yes. that volume's not there, it becomes a little bit more challenging. And you to know? be
1: and to be very honest, I've been in this position not because of the whole Latino community. It's a very mm-hmm. small portion of it. I've been in this position because of the African American community and the Caucasian community, mm-hmm. um, wanting to see diverse. Um, felt that um, not only the diverse they wanted to see, but that felt that someone understood their position or their pain, their hurt, and would speak up for their better benefit, even if they weren't their culture. And right. that's what I believe that the people see in me. They don't really see me as a a Latina. They really see me as a person that looks after their well-being or their care or their voice. And you're right, in politics, everybody's not going to like you. So it's very difficult. It was very intimidating for me
0: at first. Right, the idea that in politics, not everybody's going to like you. But also, kind of leading with that heart that you are doing what's best in the genuine interest of your constituents and their well-being, uh, mm-hmm. you start there. And but there's some things in common too. Like I heard you use the word inclusive. It sounds like that's your approach to doing mm-hmm. a lot of things. Being inclusive was the key
1: um, for a success. Um, being humble um, was another key of being successful. Being grassroots um, was another key of success. Like, for instance, I learned with my kids, they always say, Mom, go with the flow. If I was going into a community where people were low income or, you know, was in poverty or things like that, I wouldn't do like other politicians where we sued and, you know, all oh my... Right. You know i didn't i would wear my blue jeans my tennis shoes and a t-shirt yeah. sometimes i didn't even iron my t-shirt you know i would just leave it the way it was and you
0: could and, be more that you could be yourself
1: yes yeah. yeah. and i would just walk in and like we started i never let anybody call me councilwoman mimi you know when i meet them and they say yeah. that to me I always say, oh, "You can call me Miss Mimi or Mimi," because we're in the South. We always say Miss. Right. So I say, "You can call me Miss Mimi or Mimi," and that tends to um, that tends to relax people. I never go in and saying, um, "I am counselor," you know, so and so. I always right. walked in and said, "Hi, I'm Mimi," you know, and left right. it at that. Um, in the beginning, my colleagues had a hard time with that. And my previous mayors had a really hard time with that yeah. because they felt that I should walk in a room and say, I am council member, you know, maybe right. what's in district seven, you know, they felt I should do that, but I didn't feel that in my heart, right. in my spirit you were you
0: it. mimi was mimi councilwoman or everyday yeah. person walking on the street mimi's mimi
1: my mom used to always say always remember where you came from because you don't know if tomorrow you'll be there
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i never try to let wise power, words yeah i never try to let the power influence me you know, and it's easy to do in politics. Oh my God. Oh, it's
0: easy. Yeah.
1: And sometimes I would say I'm ghetto girl of counsel. (laughs) I love that. You know,
0: I didn't, you just gotta keep it real,
1: you know, keep it
0: real down to earth and don't forget where you came from. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't drive a fancy car, you know, I don't, um, always wear designer clothes and I'm just, you know, if we're gonna go clean up a neighborhood, I'm in my blue jeans and t-shirts and gloves and a garbage bag and let's go. If we're gonna go, yeah, you know, yeah. march against drug dealers, I'm just got my sweatshirt and let's go, you know. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't do like, and there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody's entitled to, yeah. I want you to understand that everybody's entitled to their own style you know, right. the way they want to be perceived. Um, to me, I wanted to be perceived as humble and down to earth, somebody right. approachable. I'm very um, honored and humbled and blessed that God allowed me and the people of Columbus allowed me to serve them. Because to be the first Latina in the state of Georgia, As an elected official, as a council member and county commissioner, going on 26 years. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just very proud of my roots. My childhood was good, but it had some difficulties too, because you're trying to live the American life. But when your roots are Latino and you're trying to live a Latino life and American life together, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And with society back in the, you know, 50s and the 60s when everything was going on, and even today, it could be a challenge when you can accomplish the most littlest things to show your pride in being a Latina. Um, I'm very proud of a Latina. Hasn't been easy. It's been a lot of wars. My challenges and trials and tribulations made me who I am today. And without that, would I be the Latina woman I am today? I might not be rich. I might not have all the degrees. But I know as a woman and a Latina, I know I'm leaving a thumbprint somewhere. And to me, that matters more
0: than being rich. Well, Mimi, you're leaving more than a thumbprint. (laughs) You're leaving... A whole handprint, a footprint, no, I don't <laughs> You're like a there. legacy. You definitely leave a legacy behind and you inspire so many with your stories and uh, including me. Are there any other uh, parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with us? As long as you have faith and you believe in yourself,
1: anything is possible. I'm living testimony of that. So... I would say to my sisters out there, doesn't matter if you get divorced, if if you're in an abusive relationship, those things are important, but don't let those things stop you from being who you're supposed to be in the future. Learn from those things to give you the strength to fulfill your dreams. Because while those things hurt us, they make us stronger. And they make us to see the strength we have within ourselves. Not only as a woman, but as a Latina, we're beautiful. We're like a Gucci bag. (laughs) Each stitch that is different is us. But every thumbprint, everything we touch as a Latina is with love. So let your love and your faith
0: take you to your destiny and your dreams. Words of inspiration. Well, thank you, Mimi. You're welcome. <laughs> I know I love you. You're
1: my <laughs> hero.
0: <laughs> I love you too. Thank you for joining us at Latina South. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at hola at latinasouth.com. Like us on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hasta la próxima. See you